Lunch with Pippa Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk featuring Wendy Nola. Glad to have Wendy back with us in studio today. We have a horror story of a tenant gone rogue. Uh, We have another query on cell phone companies and their often questionable tactics. Vodacom in the spotlight this week. And also, I hope, time for some open line calls. Uh, Once again, if you want to join the conversation, give us a ring on 021-446-0567 or send a WhatsApp to 072-567-1567. WhatsApp, a voice note or a WhatsApp (laughs) combined into the WhatsApp, Wendy. Wendy. Welcome <laughs> to the show. Nice to have you back. Thank you. Good to be here in person again. Yeah, indeed. Okay. Uh, this is, I actually saw this story on Facebook earlier in the week, Wendy, and I just my heart sank for the poor person posted because I couldn't believe what I was reading. No. Over to you. And it's the first um, example of this that I've heard. And then just reading the comments, 250 plus comments to that face to that post on the village yep. on Facebook. Um, there was at least one other, I didn't read all of them, that said, Me too, this happened. I think it was to her parents. Anyway, so renting out generally, the best of times, renting out your property either to um, a longer term term traditional tenant or as holiday accommodation is potentially extremely lucrative and many survive on it out of yep. second properties or even their own properties renting out part of it. But it does come with enormous risks of course and well you know background checks can give you a good idea of whether or not a, the two criteria are met whether or not the prospective tenant pays in full and on time every month which is you really really what you want and need and whether they take appropriate care of your asset so yes I mean that's important but even so Wendy even if you've done those background checks uh, as we've heard from our regular guest on the show Marlon Chevalier many times even so many owners find themselves in that nightmare scenario of a tenant who either can't or won't pay any longer the tenant who becomes effectively a squatter in the property living rent free using the utilities without contributing a cent and with a whole raft of rights actually which makes the owner's uh, sense of justice just completely want to implode Um, um, so, yes, I mean, their background checks and background checks, some do it themselves, which is, you know, they don't have the, the expertise and, and experience to do it. And sometimes in stories we've covered, the agents which are paid to do that service don't do it properly for whatever yeah. reason. Yeah. No one in turn does a bad job or whatever. But, um, so, but a whole other scenario This today. is next level <laughs> okay. stuff, yes. So this is a tenant. This is a, a case of a tenant who was not only not paying the rent she owes. Admittedly, she started doing that and then started defaulting and then stopped altogether. But she turned the property that she didn't own and wasn't paying rent for into a business. So she got it listed, got herself listed as the host on the property on several of these um, letting sites, holiday accommodation, mm-hmm. and uh, pocketed all the proceeds while still not paying still rent not paying, to the actual and owners. And you can imagine when you have got guests in the home, so she was living in part of the home, yeah. you've got guests in the home, the utility bills, water, electricity shoot up, and the owner was left paying for those wow. as well. And rates, and, and I mean, the, the schutzpah of this is quite... It really is quite something else. And I'm pretty sure it wasn't her first rodeo. If you, mm. When you hear the story unfold. So so this is what happened to the Gray family um, and their five-bedroomed home on, on the water at Marina de Gama in Musenberg. So as like you, I first read Shannon Gray's story in her post on the Village um, Facebook. Um, she This is what she wrote. It was fairly, uh, it was quite a summary. I would really like some advice on how to evict my tenant. She's not paid rent for seven months and is living as a single woman in my five-bedroom home. 
We are currently paying for her to be there. She's now listed my house on Airbnb and Booking.com without my consent, and she's not allowing access into my home as we need to ship our furniture to Australia. She's currently using it as her Airbnb business, in inverted commas. Any advice would really be appreciated. As I said, there were more than 250 comments on that post last I looked. Many of them were variations of, and quite understandably, just arrive with a locksmith when she is out, change the locks and take position. A very brave Landadner hermit did this to move out squatting foreigners. She did, however, arrive with the local security company to assist. Do not accept this. Take back your home. It's a natural response. It is a natural response. We know it's not a legal response. Of course not. As many people pointed out in their comments uh, on that post, um, because (laughs) that tenant, non-paying as she is, has rights. So uh, Karen C. commented, and, and illustrating that, that this is not a lone case. My parents have just gone through this and there's literally nothing you can do other than follow the legal processes. The legal stuff alone can take longer than a year and don't expect to get any money back. My parents lost more than 300,000 rand oh. and I think that's the figure that the Greys are sitting with right now, yeah. incidentally, over a two-year pe- two period in lost rental and lawyer's fees and they had to pay in for water and utilities every month. Renovations after these disgusting people moved out cost another 80,000 rand. The law is definitely not on your side here. Unfortunately, these people know exactly how the system works. Awful, awful stories. Wendy, sadly, I'm not at all surprised, though Marlon has told us many times how difficult and costly it can be to remove a tenant who doesn't want to go. And unfortunately, as you say, the law is is on their side. There is a, a long list of rights protecting them. Uh, in this case and uh, I know you've been speaking to Marlon and he's going to join us in a in a moment or two to comment on the legalities but Wendy there's the limit to what Marlon can say Absolutely because um, thanks to a lot of the comments and advice from people on that uh, the village post um, he Shannon made contact with him and he's now acting for her so and she's his the client case. and okay. so you know how it works he can't uh, there's a confidentiality issue so he can't um, talk specifically about this case but you know we've established it's not a, a lone case and so he will comment on what rights people in this situation in a general sense um, have. Okay what, what, so we'll get to that in just a what, moment Marlon is standing by. Yes. You have been having a, have. A, a lengthy exchange since then with Shannon herself. Can you just summarise for us what I she's will, told you? Yes so the family moved to Australia in early 2018 they uh, weren't sure how long they'd be there but they, they've, they're still there um, they decided to leave their furniture in that Marina da Gama home when they left so they locked all their personal items into two rooms of the home and their first tenants Shannon says were a lovely family from Sweden but everything changed with their next and current tenant in inverted commas a single woman with two dogs who moved in in April 2019 on a six month lease um, Shannon says she knew that they planned to sell the house and ship their furniture over because um, she was using the same agent who had put the house on the market. Um, so there was no doubt that this property would be um, possibly but sold very soon. So it was she a short-term six, lease. A short-term yeah. lease, exactly. Yeah. So there she was, a single woman in a four-bedroom house with four bathrooms. And I said, well, how did that work? What, how did she justify that? Um and and the rent is 14,000 rand a month. So, I mean, that doesn't really add up, I suppose. And she said, oh, you know, she had family, her mother, who would um, often stay. 
Um, and then she went on to ask the Greys to clear out a smaller room as she wanted it as a study, allegedly. Okay. So what the Greys did was put all their stuff in an outside outside en suite uh, you know, bedroom bathroom, which they had already had their bags in. Um, and she says... <laughs> Unfortunately, the room had a, has an electrical box in it, so the tenant needed access to it. So they gave this tenant a key to this room. Where all of their things were All of their away. stuff. There were wedding presents. There were special Carol Boys type stuff. Your you know. nice things. Yeah. Yes, okay. your nice things. And definitely not for tenant use, much less for guests. For strangers' <laughs> use. Yes. But... Okay, so she said that she had a, you know, her job was something to do with conferences, um, and that she may have a few clients visiting and staying over for meeting for meetings from time to time. So that also sort of explained why, why she needed all that space. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So as I said, the rent was fourteen thousand rand a month. So the first six months were problem free. She paid her rent on time, and then that that six month lease expired, and they moved on to a month to month lease basis um, because they were still really hoping. Uh, to sell and the property was being managed importantly I think to say by by the husband by, not by an agent not by at an this agent point. Okay. okay so from November 2019 November December there were a few late payments and then of course COVID happened uh, the tenant said she'd lost her job and so they halved her rent um, it was in late 2020 that <laughs> Shannon because I said how did you find out about this listing she said she happened to see her house imagine the shock of this on Airbnb. Um, she asked her husband about it because he was dealing with the tenant, and he said that uh, the tenant had mentioned that she was trying to get extra money. <sighs> I mean, so she okay. So Shannon literally came across her own home posted on Airbnb without uh, having ever agreed to it being no, there or ever or being asked. given permission no. to do so. So okay. that's a question there. My first thought was surely Airbnb, Booking.com, etc. requires some kind of proof that you are the legal owner of the, the home property. and have a right to list it. We'll but get it to that later. because not only was the home on the site, Wendy, when she looked closely oh at the photographs, yes. in those photos were all the things that were meant to be locked away. Yes, exactly. So she saw a swing chair. I've seen it too in yeah. one of the pictures. Um, and... Uh, she said, I knew I'd packed it away, so I asked my husband to tell her not to use it as we were going to be shipping it. He then told me that she had moved all of our personal stuff out of that one room and put it in the garage. And when she told when she told him, he just accepted it as it was already done. So here are some of the problems. And look, it can happen with an agent that's not doing their job properly as well. But that sort of thing, you shouldn't, you know, they should have been firmly, you will not. You will not you touch not our things that are I would have away. got hold of. Yeah, yeah so... There was just some um, lack of experience there. And very difficult when you're on the other side of the world. Exactly. Different time Mm. uh, zones, et cetera. cetera. Um, So Shannon continues, we had a lot of inconsistent rent that year, 2020. Everything was inconsistent and unpredictable. We understood the situation and always thought that we would sell anyway. My husband at this stage had suggested she get a smaller place to rent, but she didn't want to. We got an offer on on the house at that stage, but it fell through. So around... Now we're getting more recent, December 2021 uh, and then January of this year. The tenant kept talking about putting in an offer to buy the house herself, but kept stalling, saying she was waiting for funds to come through from her divorce or some business that she'd started up. At this stage, not realizing, I suppose, that the business was actually renting the house. house. Yeah. Um, at this stage, Shannon says she was not paying rent at all and kept saying she would put an offer in and then pay back all the rent. After receiving no rent for quite a few months, the couple then gave her notice. She didn't respond. 
to that email. Fast forward to two weeks ago, the Greys got another offer on the house and gave that tenant two months' notice. Upon which they got an, a, a lawyer, a letter rather from her lawyer, saying that two months' notice was not enough. Oy. For the squatter. On a month-to-month short-term rental yes. that hadn't been paid for uh, in over two years. Month-to-month okay. means a month's notice would have been yeah. enough. I don't know where that lawyer came from. And that he advised us not to accept another offer as said tenant was going to put an offer in. Since then, this lawyer has advised me to get a lawyer too. Whew. Okay. I know, the to outrage. put an offer with what money that she apparently didn't have to spend on rent, how she could afford to buy it is another question. But yes, Wendy, I mean, the outrage. And then add to that the discovery that not only was that listing on Airbnb a once-off during the height of COVID, it then transpires that this house had been listed on Booking.com and other sites as well. And uh, Shannon actually told Wendy that when they looked at the the guest review photographs on those sites, because they were all glowing reviews, Wendy, everybody had a very nice stay they, staying I, I, there. I read them with increasing um, incredulity. I mean, this one was, I think it was on Booking.com. Um, where was it? I can't find it now. Highly recommend. The host is a gracious and attentive host with a beautiful and immaculate home. Quiet location location but easy and pretty walk into town and the beach wish i could have stayed longer accompanied by photographs of the lovely carol boys crockery yes. and the wedding cutlery all in use Can as the imagine? as the airbnb fittings and, and i mean really and shannon had vacuum packed one of those fat sack bean bags also gloriously unveiled and there in the photographs sitting for the uh, in the yeah, guest for the benefit yeah. of the wow. yes Okay, so to summarise, the tenant is still in the house. The house has been posted on multiple platforms and offered for short-term lets without the owner's permission and without them seeing a cent of the money that comes in from those lets. And in the meantime, they are still having to pay utilities on a property for which they are receiving not a cent of, uh, of rent. Now, Wendy, I know Shannon told you she had tried engaging directly with Airbnb and Booking.com yeah. to say, hello, this house isn't authorised to be on your platform. Yeah, she said... Um, she- uh, not sure she'd got a response from Airbnb, but Booking.com, it's, she said nobody seemed to know how to deal with that sort of thing. They mentioned it would be reported. I'm still unsure as to whether she had to forge some paperwork to list my home. Um, I'm still trying to find out. I had no luck with uh, Booking.com's media relations team. The, my email went unanswered. Um, we can get to what um, Airbnb said but um, to me, but... Um, the latest is that the Greys have sent a letter of demand for almost 300,000 rand rent and all the utilities that they've been paying for, mm-hmm. as well as the security uh, coverage, etc. Yeah. And they've given her 20 days to pay. The sad thing, says uh, Shannon, is that if she just left quietly, we probably would have just cut our losses and been relieved as she was a very difficult tenant and highly volatile. My husband was just trying to keep the peace until we sold and was silly enough to expect some sort of appreciation. Mm. Instead, this. Uh, she's very, uh, you know, understandably, incredibly stressed and angry. She says, I can get over the material stuff as that's not important in the end, but I can't get over the lack of respect and the fact that she's now going to be costing us even more money and stress with lawyers getting involved. The mind boggles as to how someone can be this way and still sleep. Yeah. Unfortunately, our kindness has backfired and we need to organize an eviction order. The sad thing is that she had the right, that she has the right to not give me access to my home and I was hoping to f- start flying, to s- shipping stuff over because they're staying in Australia and, yeah. and they can't get access. She can't even get legal, access to her house. Not, yeah, so I mean, that that's temptation of someone said, actually get a, f- a friend or, you know, yourself book, make a 
okay. to go over and start packing things up and for you. get into yeah. the house as the guest. And but you know, legally, as we're about to find out. Um, you know, natural justice doesn't uh, translate into justice, into justice, justice. legal, yeah. legally justified yeah. justice. So Marlon is standing by. Before we speak to Marlon, there's a voice note I want to play because I suspect the voice note is going to make a suggestion that Marlon is going to have to veto. But I think let's take a listen to that and then we will welcome sure. Marlon Chevalier. Hi there. Surely it's a simple matter of the owner of the property going to the municipality and saying that the services are not being paid for. Please disconnect water and electricity to that property. As the owner, surely you have the right to do that. You're not obliged to provide services to somebody that is not paying for the property or for the services being delivered. So why not just go to the municipality and say, I'm not using that property. Uh, Disconnect it. Well, let's hear whether that is indeed a viable option. On the line listening in uh, all to all of this time has been rental property specialist Marlon Chevalu, who is a regular on the show uh, in our Legal Talk segment. But Marlon, thanks for doing extra duty with us on Consumer Talk today. Always great to have you with us. Wonderful to be here. Hi, Wendy. Hi, Papa. Hi, Marlon. Yeah, all good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so just again, we, we have to remind everyone, this is now a case that Marlon himself is handling with Shannon Gray as a client. So we can't speak to the specifics of the individual case, only to the general um, things that apply uh, to everybody here. Marlon, how would you respond to that voice note suggesting ask the municipality to disconnect the property? The ironic thing is, firstly, a municipality is allowed to disconnect the services, disconnect the utilities. They're allowed to do that because they are the service provider. But there is a bit of a debate whether or not you can instruct a municipality to do that because it could be what we call tantamount to like a constructive eviction. Mm-hmm. The truth of the matter is the owner is always liable to pay that utilities. That's the Municipality Act. They're always liable to pay rates. They're always liable to pay these amounts irrespective of whether or not the tenant has paid them. The irony, though, is that the tenant could just go ahead and choose to pay the municipality direct which will obviate this leverage that this voice note suggests. And on top of that, if you do ask for a disconnection, you ask for a disconnection because it hasn't been paid, you effectively may be sued. The owner will be sued for not paying a municipality. So it's a double-edged sword. Wow. Sometimes the you know, municipality may choose to disconnect. Sometimes they won't. I can tell you a number of instances where they vacillate between disconnecting or not. But the fact is that they do disconnect and they are owed money. The only person, the only recipient of that level of demand will be the landlord. Oh, oh it's, it's, it's an Marlon. appalling situation. Marlon, um, unfortunately, I'm guessing this probably isn't the first time you've heard of such cases. Well, certainly not the first time you've heard of non-paying tenants. But have you ever previously heard of cases where a tenant is effectively subletting to holidaymakers when they're not paying rent themselves? I actually have quite a few times, funny so, enough. There was uh, one or two properties in, uh, in, well, I mentioned it's Nelson Mandela Square. In, in Cape Town, and it was quite ironic because the tenant was liable to pay, I think, 8000 a month rental, but was subleasing without the consent of the landlord to third parties and earning about 60000 rand in terms of continual short-term rentals. Now, had the tenant just paid the rental of 8000 rand, you would have put, hypothetically, 22 grand um, net, maybe 18 grand in his pocket every month, a very profitable business for simply being a conduit. It was an Airbnb, rave reviews like Wendy mentioned, but he didn't even pay the 8000 and that was the right for us to evict him, to cancel the lease and evict him. But 
in this particular instance, and obviously I'm not talking about the facts at hand, there are a lot of extraneous factors which take it far beyond just the sublease. Obviously, subleasing in itself, you can obtain the consent of the landlord. It can't be unreasonably withheld. And there are many landlords that I'm aware of that allows for a sublease in order for that particular tenant to mitigate against the total rental payable. And always, it's the tenant that remains liable to the landlord and the subtenant remains liable to the tenant. There's no legal connection between the subtenant and the landlord. Okay. So it's not an uncommon thing. What is uncommon is the extent to which uh, you know, certain people can take it. Marlon, I mean, as you've said, you, as the landlord, you cannot, um, uh, you've said it many times on our programme, you cannot interfere with the tenant's occupation of the property unless there is a court order in hand uh, allowing such. Is that really the only option that is available in a case um, such as this of a tenant who has not paid for months and months on end, uh, who continues to occupy the property and ignore attempts to ask them to leave? You know, it's, it's a very, unfortunately, a very jaundiced law that we have in terms of the Rental Housing Act, even the common law, it, it doesn't really help us much because the simple answer is that an unlawful occupier still has rights. Until there is a court order granted by a magistrate or a judge, obviously the tribunal has no authority, no jurisdiction to grant an eviction order, only a court of law does. But until there is an order of court granted by a court of law, that person has every right to continue occupying the property because all that the law is concerned about is in case you decide to, as per some of the comments I saw, self-help to try and throw them out, to try and prevent them from having access, is that all that the courts will look at is, was that person in peaceful and undisturbed occupation, not lawful occupation, peaceful and undisturbed. Wow. They're living there and not paying, and they are basically squatting. As I said, even though we don't have a Squatters Act since 1952, but in terms of the Pi Act, if they're there unlawfully, which means with no lease or the lease has been cancelled, in that event, they are still entitled to oppose an eviction. They're still entitled to oppose, to defend a summons. They're still entitled, not to say, say enjoy the property, but to have access to their property. And where the, the law is completely juxtaposed is that they can deny you access. You can't go there without approval. You can't rock up there to either change the locks or remove the door or hire people of foreign descent to come sit in their stoop or to threaten them because the biggest biggest, I say a joke, I'm looking for a euphemism for a joke, mm. the biggest joke is you can't do that, but if you do decide to employ self-help, they have the right to approach court on the same day and ask for the court to force you to put them back into the position they were before you undertook your unlawful self-help. We come back to the conversation about this this awful position of uh, the landlord whose property is being uh, occupied by a non-paying tenant with the added indignity that it's been listed on Airbnb and Booking.com, etc. without their permission, and she is pocketing that income without paying any of it over to them. Before the break, Marlon Chevalu, who's a rental property specialist in Cape Town, was telling us about this terrible position that, unfortunately, the, the occupier of the property has rights that protect them in this position. Marlon, that is very clear. Is there any sort of wiggle room here in terms of the added egregious behaviour of this person using their furniture and other items in the house that had been locked away and was not intended for their use? Is is that in any way a legal angle that can, can be worked on? 
Well, obviously, you know, it, it, that is quite germane to the actual facts of the matter that, that okay, is before yeah. me. So the only thing I can mention is that, you know, it's, it's not really of, 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 I suppose, of any legal value in the sense that we're dealing with a summons for money's owing and we're dealing with an eviction application to get the person out. At best, the court might turn around and say, well, if you are suffering damages, which you can prove and consequential damages, such as being unable to go overseas or come back or that there's hypothetically damage, you know, excluding sentimentality, which in itself is a difficult thing to quantify, the court will say, if there's an alternative remedy, use it. In other words, if you want to try go to court and bring an interdict to force somebody to do something, because you can have a positive interdict, you can oblige somebody to do something as opposed to asking them not to do something, the courts have to believe that there is an alternative remedy. And if there is, they will probably lean that way. So they might say, well, you unable to have use or there's certain information or certain um, carol boys and, and whatnot being used and the bottom line is yes I appreciate that it's, it's a complete it's incredulity what's, what's happening here but what are your damages mm. your damages are what how have you suffered a loss because that's how we look at it we look at it commercially sentiment wise it's absolutely horrific commercially we have to ask ourselves you know what can we do about it and the court will say well if you can prove that you've suffered a loss as a result of that sue them for damages so it, it in my opinion off the cuff it doesn't add to the legal value it just shows more and more what we're dealing with and the character mm. Mm. Of, of the person yeah. but as from a legal argument it's not something that I believe will, will carry much weight In terms of the costs of eviction orders I mean Marlon I've just had an email in from Jamie who, whose family had a very similar experience it says my brother-in-law had the same issue leasing his apartment to a foreign national who didn't pay rent for a year wrecked the place sublet it for the full year yeah. when the geezer packed up my brother-in-law didn't want to replace it hoping that the tenant would leave and the tenant took him to court uh, and uh, the judge said okay he, there's an added complication here the tenant brought a small child to the hearing even though he had no kids and the judge said because of the child oh. my brother-in-law had to install a new geezer eventually after a lengthy year-long battle the tenant was finally evicted but it cost my brother-in-law about a hundred thousand rand in lost rent and a further fifty thousand rand to fix what the tenant had damaged doesn't say what he spent on legal fees i mean marlon how expensive a, a process is it to try and get an eviction order Look, it depends if it's opposed or unopposed. I mean, for example, we, we, we do at least 20 a month. And it sounds like a lot, but we do represent a, a several hundred rental agencies and their landlords. It can cost anything upwards of, for an unopposed eviction, about 16,000, 17,000 rand. Um, if it is opposed, and when I say opposed, uh, it means they've actually decided to defend it. Or alternatively, it ends up being an exchange of affidavits, heads of argument, um, pre-trial, arguing court, appeal, and we currently have a, a matter which is going to the Constitutional Court six years later. And that's gone, you know, every single angle of that has been challenged and it involves um, municipalities, various interested parties, etc. So it depends on the nature of it. But a, a normal residential lease agreement where you've demanded rental, cancelled because they have not paid, you're looking upwards of, say, three months. And of course, you're looking around about between 16,000 to hypothetically maybe 35, 40,000. But it all depends on the nature of the defence. The bottom line, though, is that you need the eviction order. That, that's the short answer. Without that eviction order, you can't do anything in terms sure. of getting them out of the property unless you agree 
hypothetically, to come to an arrangement whereby they will leave and you will make a payment to them to assist them finding alternative accommodation, if, if, you, if you get my job. you pay but, them to go, to go. I mean, that's yeah, oh, well, it feels so egregious. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so so essentially, the, my my take out is the person who's violating the lease, who's staying free in somebody's house, running up massive utility bills by having guests come and stay, for which they keep all the payments, not even paying the reduced rent, let alone the full rental, which would be a fraction of that, what Come she's out, yeah. getting in, is in a far stronger legal position than the legal owner of the property whose lease is being um, broken, um, trampled over in several respects and is substantially out of pocket. The, that's that's the one way of painting it. The other way of painting it is that not every landlord is truthful. Sometimes tenants are honestly in a situation where they can't pay or for example they are paying and landlords somehow look for a shortfall or look for some little idiosyncrasy to get them out but the bottom line is that the legislation and this is the this i suppose is, is the the germane problem the pie act which is the only legal way to bring a, a lawful eviction in this country to ex, you know to exculpate somebody from a residential property was never designed for residential litigation. It was never designed to be used in the residential arena until the Supreme Court of Appeal pronounced on it and it somehow worked its way into the residential arena. The fact of the matter is and the court would turn around and say, you will get your order eventually. I can tell you that now you will get your order. If you've cancelled the lease agreement, you will get your order. Uh, the only thing we can't guarantee you is how long it will take. Mm. But you will get your order and eventually will get your judgment if they haven't paid. So at the end of it, you will end up with a judgment for money that's owing. You will end up with a judgment for damage sustained. You will get an eviction order for them to leave and they will eventually leave. All those amounts are amounts that you can claim from that person. So it's not like you will not get something out of it. The problem is, because of all the ultra impartum and the right to, to justice, every person, every recipient of a service, any tenant, has the right to have their day in court. And the court will eventually pronounce, and they will rule in the client's favor, in, in favor of the landlord, presumably. But as, as it stands, until then, you might find there's a completely different version, which is put up before the court. And mm. you can't be the author of your own case. A judge has to hear both sides and decide on a balance of probabilities whose case is more probable. So, as I say, we've had represented tenants who have been hard done by, by a number of landlords, where we have seen the complete opposite, that the landlord has been invasive, that the landlord has chose to cut off certain things and lock them out, and the tenant has been innocent. And we represent both landlords and tenants. So there yeah. is a system in place, and unfortunately we are bound by the law. And the minute you start taking the law into your own hands, then we're looking at civil war, because then there's no <laughs> rule of law applicable, and who knows. But I get, I understand why a landlord might want to take the law into their own hands, but as an officer of the court, I can't, I can't condone that, of course. Yeah. yeah. Final question, Marlon, is, is what advice to landlords to prevent themselves ending up in this situation in the first place. I mean, it, it comes down to a lot to do with how you vet the tenant before you allow them into the property. Uh, is there anything else that you would advise as sort of standard best practice? I think standard best practice is firstly, the vetting is one thing, but it goes more than just vetting, it's due diligence. And I wouldn't do it alone. I would get an agent on board and I'd get that agent not only to do a vetting process through credit bureaus, but ask for references, ask previous People ask for verified bank statements, have the right to find out whatever information you can about that person, get a huge deposit, but more importantly, allow your lease agreement to provide for 
continual inspections of the property, not once a week, but once a month. Currently, the lease only, uh, the law only provides for an incoming and an outgoing inspection. So what you can do is ask for reasonable inspections because you're entitled to see how the property is doing. And the minute you see anything which is an anomaly, a late payment or anything like that, you get legal. The truth is there is no infallibility that, that you can avoid. You might be a very clever tenant who pays six months in advance, mm-hmm. decides to do certain things, and then they block everyone out. There's, I cannot give you a guarantee on how to run this properly. All you can do is take as many preventative steps to mitigate the exposure. And I think it's important to have an agent involved simply because you've got a check and balance system. And ironically, if that agency or agent that you pay in order to procure a tenant for you, if they don't do their job properly, at least you will have recourse against that agency. If you can prove, of course, that the agency didn't do their job correctly. But if you go cheap and you get a lease from a certain shop in Cape Town mm. and you decide to go it on your own, inevitably, if you haven't done your job properly, not just a credit vetting, but gone and done further research as to who you're dealing with, uh, just not to belabor the issue. But if you've got a family, you might find it might be more difficult to evict a family, especially when there's more children involved, as you mentioned. Whereas a single person who's employed might be easier to get them out because ultimately it's easier for them to find an alternative property than a family does. So there's lots of little things, and that's where we educate our rental agents and landlords on, on this best practice. And preventative is, of course, far better than curative, especially in this particular instance. Marlon Chevalu, as always, thank you for joining us on the show this afternoon of Marlon Chevalu and Associates Incorporated. Wendy, um, before we let this go, you did reach out to Airbnb for a response. What did they say? Interesting. Um, They said, the listing you shared has not had any bookings on our platform in two years. Um, which would explain that we have got recent comments but on that Shannon came back to me this morning and said that um, she's now discovered that there are other listings she had more than she's listing all over the show times, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, she says so any bookings that are happening elsewhere um, are, are not connected to Airbnb but I did just give her that one link we've seen this property on other platforms including booking.com and TripAdvisor all hosts now this was answers my question I said surely somebody that applies to list a property as the host on your platform surely you require them to give you some form of proof that they are the legitimate owner and it seems not because the answer goes like this all hosts must certify that they have permission to list their space i'm going to read that again all hosts must certify that they have permission to list their place there's nothing about proving it They've just got to say it is so. Make a statement, yes. And we remind hosts to check and follow local regulations, which is clear in our terms of service. We provide information for renters on our responsible hosting page. If someone is renting a space and interested in hosting, they should review their lease agreement and check with their landlord for approval, as well as ensure that they comply with any relevant conditions to sublet as a tenant. We are not able to mediate private disputes between third parties. Essentially, that was it. Um, yeah, I mean, one some anonymous saying here, this sounds like a lot of nonsense because Airbnb and, and Bookings.com are companies that are listed on the New York Stock Exchange and can be reported to the SEC as being engaged in criminal activity and Bookings and Airbnb would have the power to confiscate the money and pay the they owner. They said this is a civil matter. We can't, they're going to say, we, you know, we can't mediate private disputes between third parties, but I think they have a duty to yeah. actually... Um, Given that this is happening, and I, they didn't answer the question, I said, "How widespread is this? Is it happening in other countries? Is South Africa a hotspot?" And they didn't venture into those waters at all, unfortunately. But as Sharon says, you would think they would need a title, Shannon rather, a title deed or something similar. Yeah. 
Um, so <laughs> certainly if, if, if <laughs> I think what this experience that this case uh, teaches us is that if you are a, a landlord, if you do own a property and you are renting it uh, to somebody residentially on a 12-month or six-month lease, that there should be a clause in your, in your agreement that says you may under no circumstances sublet this property. This is for your use only. Well, here's another one. Somebody saying, my friend's parents were renting out their home and they too came across their home listed on Facebook Marketplace <laughs> as a function venue. Okay. Um, so you can imagine. So people yeah. finding creative ways of of making sweating, a living sweating the, at the, the roof expense over their head. Yeah. of their... You'd think they'd probably get away with it for longer if they le- at least had the grace to pay their rent. I mean, maybe people are in these other cases, you know, to, so as to stay under the radar. But I mean... To be actually making a living and then not paying. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Okay. We must take a break, Wendy. We'll be back after this. There's several different comments from listeners responding to this, and I hope we'll have time to fit in the update on the Vodacom story as well. Kate Talk. Consumer Talk. WhatsApp on 072 567 1567. Just a few of uh, the WhatsApps in here. Steve saying, my nephew booked a house for the December holidays and paid in full only to discover it was a scam. Okay, slightly different scenario, but uh, one that unfortunately many people upcountry have learned as we've heard from the latest travel scam that's been making headlines this week. We will, by the way, be following up on that. Uh, what's it? Hello, darlings, Wendy. Hello, darlings. With yes. some advice on on on. I mean, what to, to 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 look for to avoid finding yourself in that situation? Yes. Yeah. Okay. But too many darlings got week's, caught badly. Yes. We'll, next we'll, we'll do a yeah. nice wrap of, of okay. that fiasco. Somebody else saying, "I like the idea of the friend renting the property on Airbnb and then refusing to leave because <laughs> you can't legally kick them out." <laughs> um, Cynthia saying, "My tenant just upped and left uh, while being arrears with the rent and the municipal accounts. I'm so upset as I gave him a lot of leeway during COVID when I had also lost my job. It is so heartbreaking." And then Anonymous saying, watch the worst roommate ever on Netflix. It'll make you think twice about ever getting a tenant or roommate. It oh. really is important to research your tenant and get referrals. Okay. There um, is, a, there is yeah. a credit um, bureau that's specifically created for rent the rental business called TPN. Yes. Just um, And I've only heard good things. Um, they they know this market and um, it was created because I think Michelle Dickens is her name. She she felt that there was a gap okay. uh, in the market for such a service. So they are, they, I mean, obviously you pay for it, but um, they, she might have competitors and she most likely has, but that's the one that I know of. And I certainly, if I was going to be doing, given what's at stake, we, we know, I mean, I, I would certainly um, pay the money to get to a get professional that. to vet any perspective. Okay, tenant. thanks for that. Wendy, we've got about five minutes left. Oh, have gosh. we got time to reflect the I Vodacom would like story? To. Yeah. Uh, well, let's, let's do the short version. So I have had many complaints in the last week or two about an SMS that Vodacom sent out to its contract subscribers which says from the 1st of April we are enhancing the value my, my hackles <laughs> red flags always it. go oh. up um, it's always a value add for the consumer supposedly you, you're going to get this added value by combining CLIP which is the caller line identification what does the P stand for? Protocol? Whatever Caller ID Caller yes. ID yeah. and contract cover for a total of 15 Rand for, per month <laughs> So one five, it's not a lot. But here's the problem. To opt out, SMS, whatever, T's and C's apply further together. Um, so 
you know, to my mind, it's been outlawed for quite some time, even before the CPA, that that's called um, negative response marketing. And yes. um, you, uh, as the consumer, have to take proactive steps to say no, otherwise they'll do it. And it shouldn't be that. There should be... Um, opt-in that you say, yes, I want Only if you, if you proactively opt-in, take a step to do something, to agree, does it get actioned? Anyway, so, I, I mean, as, as Greg Colhane said, so there are... are arbitrarily forcing a service on me which I need to cancel if I do not want it. When I cancelled, I received a message saying Vodacom contract cover has not been activated on your account. In the event of your death, your subscription will not be covered. And he says, oh, so they want me to pay 15 rand a month for around 500 rand cover. To be clear, this is when you die, your 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 contracts don't die with you. Your, your, it, the, the estate becomes um, liable, and I often get this. People feel when their relatives die, when their when their parents usually that you know why is, why is this network or why is this whatever company still wanting payment? That's the way it works. Unless you have credit life cover or they had credit life cover on the um, account. So in this case, if you just taken out a contract, your loved one had just taken out a contract last month. You would still be liable for the remaining um, eleven or twenty one exactly. Months or so it's not just one month subscription. There's quite a lot of money at stake, and I personally think it's a good um, deal. Um, and that we that for fifteen rand a month you yes. covered that should anything happen to you, you in month one, the rest of it is written yes, off. Yes, but okay. but uh, this this um, negative response marketing is definitely not it's on. It's definitely not on. So I took this all up with Vodacom, and the response was an out, uh, about turn, which went like this. We intended to enhance the existing clip service for which customers are already opted into by adding some elements of contract cover. This was meant to be an opt-in basis and only affected on the 1st of April so that we had sufficient time to allow for the opt-ins. However, we have subsequently taken a business decision not to go ahead with this and will leave the clip product as it is. Communication with existing customers will go out shortly to this effect. So well so done no for pressuring comment, them. They've no comment on, on, on the legalities otherwise. It's definitely bad business practice at the very least. If um, not negative response. practice. Yeah, as far as yeah. I'm concerned, it is. I mean, they didn't put me right on that. Um, but having said all that, I do think it's... Um, it's a good product to have for well, for relatively small for a smallish payment. amount. I just want to. I mean, an, an email has literally just come into my box, Wendy, from somebody who is in this exact position of having lost her mom in September, and has been told she's liable for the remaining months on the the cell phone yes, contract, and lot. she's she's horrified at the total. She says it comes to eighteen and a half thousand rand plus, which is more than the entire value of the full contract itself. That, that part I don't understand because if it came with the phone, obviously there's that element. Then plus but the phone the has to be paid. Yeah. But if she's taken, so it's all built into the one subscription. So if she's taken that and multiplied it by the remaining months and the settlement figure is more, there's something wrong there and she should definitely contest it. But that's an example of what you can be left with. Of how much If it there isn't up, some yeah. kind of insurance on, on the contract in the event of death. Okay, so um, Alison, who sent me that email, I will be forwarding it to Wendy yeah. to take a look at because the numbers don't seem to add up in this case, even though what you've described is entirely feasible and possible if there wasn't insurance, but there's an added complication around whether or not there was insurance Hmm. in this case. So definitely one for Wendy to look at in detail uh, off air.
thank you very much, everybody, for sharing and for contributing and talking and sharing some of your own tenants' horror stories today. I'm very sorry, again, how many there are of them. But, Wendy, thanks for flagging this case. And I think the best takeaway advice besides the proper vetting of, 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 of tenants before they go in is that comment about writing a clause into your lease that about this property visitations, may not, be, uh, oh, yes. may not what, be posted on Airbnb. That, yeah. Yes, and what Marlon said is or add that clause because legally you, the, the landlord's only entitled to go and 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 when the tenant moves in and when they move out, and you and f- perfectly entitled to put clauses in there about to additional say inspections, additional inspections, um, and and put it, and then the person must initial it, um, and then they've agreed because it's certainly you know, <laughs> and then you get an inkling at the first sign of something not being quite right. You, you can, can go in and to, check. Yeah. yeah, Wendy, thanks as always. We'll chat again next week. And a reminder that if you'd like to raise a case with Wendy, uh, an email goes to consumer at nola.co.za. K-N-O-W-L-E-R dot C-O dot Z-A.